Good morning, church. You know it's a really busy week um, at church when the backup announcement guy is preaching. So it's been busy. You guys are in for a doozy. Um, let me just get this started. Uh, I have to tell you, everybody carries around all these water. I get really nervous before I preach. I've had to go to the bathroom like four times. And it didn't help that they had that slide that was just showing water just over and over, just running water. I was like, give me, cut me some slack. Um, we have been going through the book of Romans, verse by verse. And um, we're going to do a little bit of a Romans recap. Um, the book of Romans was written by Paul. And what's crazy about Paul is he wrote most of the New Testament. And he didn't name any books after himself. There's not a book of Paul. He's not like that glory hound John. Yeah? Uh, John. Let's call this one John. How about 1 John? 2 John? 3 John? Yeah, Paul writes all these books. Doesn't name any of them after himself. Um, he's writing to the church in Rome. Um, he's writing to Roman Christians, people who are... Um, New Christians, people who are pagans before and now just following, starting to follow Jesus. But he's also writing to uh, practicing Jews who have been displaced out of Rome, but now we're allowed back. And they're finding out that, that their religion has kind of moved on without them. And so he's writing with a purpose to unite the church. Um, also, Romans, if you take some time to read it, you'll find it's theologically dense. Like, it is jam-packed with stuff. Like, as you read it, you're like, oh, yeah, I've heard this before. I've heard this before. But it's super, super deep. And so that's why it's taken us a while to get through it because, man, there's so much in, in so few verses. And um, so far, um, we've been going through it. And just lately, we've been talking about the transformed life. As a Christian, the old is gone and the, the new has come and what that looks like, um, how we are to live our new life. Yeah? If you're a follower of Jesus, you're supposed to live your life as a living sacrifice. Um, how we're supposed to live in relationship to our, our government, we talked about this last week. Like, hey, you know what? You're in, this, you're in a place, you're in a, there's a government, pay taxes, you know, be obedient as much as you can. Follow them, give honor to who needs honor, give respect who deserves respect. Um, but now, today, it's, it's starting to talk about what that new life looks like living it in relationship to others. Like, how do we get along with others? And I could tell you, we don't. Yeah, this is something we really struggle with, I think, as uh, a society, but even as the church, people who are called to love and be an example, man, we struggle with relating to one another. And so um, today's scripture verse is, is found in Romans 13, 8 through 10. And... Um, this is what it says. Let no debt remain outstanding, except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And whatever command there may be are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for today, Lord, and I thank you for this opportunity to, to look at your word. 
And Lord, I just pray right now for, for everyone in here, Lord, that you would open our, our ears, Lord, and open our hearts to what it is you want to say to us. Give us eyes to see what you want us to see, Lord. And I just pray right now, Lord, that you would um, take away any distractions, any of the worries of this world that have been weighing us down from this week, Lord, and the stresses and the anxieties that are happening outside this building right now, but they're still going on inside of our head, Lord. I pray that you'd silence those, that you'd give us a peace this morning so that we could understand your words, Lord, and understand your will for our life. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, there is a lot of stuff in here that, that we've kind of heard before, like love your neighbors as yourself, right? And, and to do that fulfills the law and the prophets. How many of you ever heard the, that phrase, love your neighbor as yourself? Yeah? If you grew up going to church, you've heard it a lot. In fact, we hear it so much that um, it kind of just, just, we hear it, but it, we don't really apply it. Right? It's just something that we say, oh, yes, I'm supposed to love my neighbor as myself. And um, as we go through these verses, they're kind of repetitive, right? And so I'm not going to take it verse by verse. Instead, I'm going to take it maybe um, a thought by thought. And we're going to go through it that way. So the, the first thing I'm going to look at is the who. Not the band, but the who in this verse. Like, what is this verse talking about? Who is it addressing? And so if we look at it, it says, let no debt remain outstanding except the continued debt to love one another. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And whatever command there may be are summed up in this one command, love your neighbor. Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. So the who in this passage is you. This is talking to you. If you're a follower of Jesus, this is, is specifically talking to you this morning. And then it talks about our neighbors, right? But it also uses the word others. And the word um, others in the Greek, it it's literally just means anybody who's not you. So this pretty much encompasses everybody in the room, correct? Yeah? It's either you, this verse is about you, and everybody who's not you. Make sense? Yes, you're, you're gathering what I'm scattering? Yeah, okay. The other thing is the what. Like, what is it talking about? What does it want us to do? Here it is. Um, it says to love one another. To love your neighbor. What's that look like? I just told you we have a hard time doing that, man. If you would go on Facebook or Twitter or see the way we talk to people, we are having a hard time loving one another. I think a hard part of it is, is um, we don't really even know what love is. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no more. No, honestly, what is love? It's this word we throw around a lot, but it means so much, and it could be really deep or it could be really, really shallow. And, and we use this word love to mean all sorts of things. Like, for example, I love Taco Bell, right? No matter how many different ways they put beans, meat, and cheese in whatever order, right, they're always like, we have something new. This time we put the beans first and then the meat and then the cheese, 
But no matter how many times I've eaten at Taco Bell, no matter how many times I've been there, I still love it and I, and I want to go there. Like it's, it's always a good time for me to run to the border. I don't have to be hungry, but I'll eat, right? So I love Taco Bell, but here's the thing. I also love my wife and my kids. But I don't love them like I love Taco Bell. Yeah? It's a different kind of love, right? It's deeper than that. And, and so we need to figure out, like, when the Bible's telling us to love one another, what is it actually saying to us? What does it mean when, when we're supposed to love one another? What does it look like? I, I like this because um, the Bible gives a, a clear definition. Like, if you're wondering what love is, there's a verse that sums it up in one sentence, and it says this. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. That's what love looks like. You want to know what love is? Love is laying down your life for somebody. Not just anybody either. Like the the Bible says that Jesus died for us when we were still his enemies, when we were still sinners, when we were anti-Jesus, anti-God, Jesus died for us. That's what love looks like. Yeah, that's what it looks like to love in this verse. That's what it looks like. Um, What does it look like for you to love somebody when it's no benefit to you? When it's only thinking about the other person? When there's nothing in it for you? There's a lot of times I do things for people and my, my motives are ulterior. Yeah? Like, I... If I'm washing the dishes or cleaning the house, I'm, I'm, I'm doing it for my wife, but I'm hoping I'll get rewarded. I don't know. I don't know. That doesn't mean what you think it means, or maybe it does. I don't know what you're thinking. <laughs> to the pure, all things are pure. Right? But, man, so many times I do things. I do it because, man, I, I like to be thanked. I like people to like me. There's so many ulterior motives. I'm doing something for me. But Jesus says that he laid down his life for us. It didn't benefit him. It wasn't for him. Um, my daughter's in here, and this is one of her favorite stories about me, and, and I probably have told it here before, but a good example I, I like to use um, to, to share this is, is the story about me and eating these chocolate sprinkles. Now, when I was uh, probably in probably seventh or eighth grade, it was the summertime, and um, I don't know about you guys, but I had a lot of free time on my hands. You know, I'd just be watching Andy Griffith rerun, just whatever was on TV, sitting there. And what I would do is I'd, I'd be hungry, and I'd go look in the refrigerator. I'd look in the cupboards, right? And it was the same old stuff, you know, not, nothing really appealing. And um, I kept on going. And didn't you you'd sit down and watch TV for a bit, and then you'd go back to the look. Like, did I miss something, right? But here's the thing. My mom, earlier in the week had bought all this stuff. She was going to make a, a cake for a lady at the church, right? And so she told us, she goes, hey, guys, I bought this stuff to make a cake, so please don't touch it, right? Don't touch these ingredients. So when I was going and looking in the cupboards over and over again, I kept on seeing this, this little vial of chocolate sprinkles, right? And every time I'd open the cupboard, I'd see them, right? And then I'd go sit down and... You guys wouldn't be able to, to, to hear it now, but that day they were calling me. Yeah? 
And I kept on seeing them. And then, and so I did something like that was a little sneaky, you know, like I, I untwisted the lid and I, and I peeled back the foil off. And what I did was I licked my finger and I stuck it in there, you know, and like, like six of them stuck to my finger. Right. And so I put them in my mouth and I put the lid on real tight and I put it right back where it was and I went to sit down. But now that taste was in my mouth. Yeah. And, um, I went back, and I went back, and this time I, I just poured just a little bit into my, in, into my hand, and I just, like, just so the, the neck of the bottle was empty, you know, like, so it still looks kind of full, right? And then I, I ate them really fast, I put the lid on, and I sat down. Then I went back again, and I killed it. I ate every single one of them, yeah? And then I did what every guilty person does when they've eaten something they don't want somebody to know. I put it in the trash can, and I buried it deep. And I laid a paper towel really flat over the top of it. If you ever come home and you see something flat like that laid across the top of your trash can, look underneath there. It's probably something somebody doesn't want you to see. So I had thought my mom had forgotten about making this cake, but I promise you the very next day, she, she starts to go making this cake. She wants to make it. And she goes, hey, guys, I'm looking for the chocolate sprinkles. And I'm like, I, I don't know. You might want to ask uh, Brittany and Lincoln. That's my brother and sister. You might want to ask them. And so she asked them, and they really don't know what happened to the chocolate sprinkles. Right? And so she's, she's smart enough. She knows, hey, one of you guys are lying, right? And you guys need to figure it out because your dad's going to come home, and I'm going to have him deal with it. Right? So my dad comes home, and he says, hey, I don't have time for this. I know one of you guys ate the chocolate sprinkles. Just fess up. Right? None of us, I'm looking around. We did. Anybody want to come forward? Yeah? And um, my dad goes, okay, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you a half hour to work this out. Right? And if someone doesn't come, come, come forward, you're all going to get uh, punished. Right? Which meant we're all going to get spanked in my house. There was no timeout, just knockout at my house. And so my dad leaves, and, and it's me and my brothers and my sisters, and I'm looking at them, and I'm like, come on. I'm, I'm trying to convince my brother that he did it. Like, you know how sometimes you walk in your sleep? Do you think you could have done it like that? And he's crying, like, I don't think so. No, I don't think so, right? <laughs> and this time limit goes down, and sure enough, my dad comes in, and um, I didn't budge. I never fessed up to it. I watched first my brother get spanked. And then I watched my sister get spanked. And then I got spanked. And they, then I told them what really went down, right? That's pretty bad. I watched my brother and sister get punished for something I did. Now, God has a way of working things out. They probably had done something else, <laughs> right? But you have to know, this is a sore subject in my house. Anytime my, my, my siblings don't believe me, they're like, just like you didn't eat this chocolate sprinkles, Fulton. What about the chocolate sprinkles, Fulton, right? But here's the deal. My brother and sister got punished for something I did, right? They got punished for something that I did. Now, to be fair, they did not willingly take that punishment, right? They didn't willingly take the punishment that belonged to me. But let me tell you, Jesus Christ took the punishment for us. He knew that we're going to mess up. He knows the sins we've made. He knows the sins we're going to make. He knows all the garbage we're going to do, and he died for us anyway. He took the punishment for us. 
Yeah? Not because it benefited him, but he did it for us. When Jesus says to love one another, he's talking about this kind of love. Love that puts other people before yourself. Amen? So the what is he wants us to love. And here's the thing. He wants us, this is how he wants us to do it. It says this. Love your neighbor as yourself. You guys have heard this. This is a very popular saying, but here's a question I have. Like, what does that mean to love yourself, love others as yourself? Because we live in a time where people put a very high premium on loving yourself. Self-care is very important. You know, I need to have a, a me day. Yeah, it's like I got to love myself. And I hear this all the time, you know, even in churches. It's like, hey, you can't love others until you start to love yourself. Once you start loving yourself, then you'll be able to love others. But I don't think that's what the scripture is saying. In fact, I know it's not what the, the scripture is saying. I, the scripture, there's no scripture that you could find that commands you to love yourself. Right? There's not a scripture that says, you know what you need to do to follow Jesus is love yourself. In fact, there's verses that say quite the contrary. Jesus told his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. Yeah? Deny yourselves. Pick up their cross and follow me. How about this? Jesus says this, anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it. Philippians says it like this, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but in the interests of others. Don't be concerned with your own good, but for the good of others. Look, at the Bible is saying that we're supposed to think of others above ourselves. Right? When the Bible says to love your neighbor as yourself... It's, it's not telling you to love yourself. It's taking, it's taking the idea that you already do love yourself. It's starting there. Because most of us, most of us love ourselves. That looks differently. You might not think of it as a self-love, but, man, we are born and we are all about self and survival. Looking out for number one. You don't have to teach a kid to take things. You have to teach him how to share it. He's already looking out for himself, right? And here's the deal is that I don't think, we don't love others out of an abundance of love for ourselves. Does that make sense? The lack of love in the world isn't because we haven't spent so much time and attention on ourselves. I don't think that's the case. Now, granted, I, don't, I think that depression and anxiety and low self-worth are, are real things that we have to deal with. But I'm not so sure that, that the Bible teaches that we need to pump ourselves up with ego. Right? It's not about thinking, and it's not about thinking less of yourself, you know. Like, I don't want you to think less of yourself, but it's about thinking of yourself less. Yeah, even those of us who are concerned with, with ourselves, you know, and we have a bad self-image, a lot of it is, is because we're obsessed with self. We're always looking at our bad self-image. If we turned it around and said, you know what, I'm not going to look at myself. I'm going to look at other people and love them. Man, how crazy would it be? What would the world look like? We don't love others 
out of an abundance for self. The Bible says this, we love others because he first loved us. Yeah? We love others because Jesus loved us. He's given us such a great love that we are filled up and we can go and show that same love to other people. So we don't love others out of abundance of love for ourselves. We love, oh, it shouldn't say don't. It should say we love others out of the abundance of love Jesus gives us. Yeah? When you start feeling loved, right, by Jesus, you'll be able to love others. When Jesus used to go, like, there would be times when Jesus was, you know, tired. And he would, it says, the Bible says, he would go up by himself on a mountainside. He wasn't going up there and having a spa day. Yeah? He wasn't going up there and gorging himself on chocolate cake. He was going up there and spending time with the Father, being loved on by the Father, getting his, his perspective right about who he is. The Father loves us so much. And it's out of that abundance that we're allowed and able to love other people. The why. So we know it's talking about us loving our neighbors. Why should we do it? It says, let no debt remain outstanding except for the continued debt to love one another. For whoever loves has fulfilled the law. Love is the fulfillment of the law. The why. We owe a debt of love. If you, again, in this room, if you follow Jesus, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, this is our obligation. It's not a suggestion to love other people. Paul says, man, if you're going to think about debts, think about this one. You're always going to have this debt. Love one another. You know when you're reminded when you owe somebody and you see him walking down the street, you're like, oh, snap, dude, I still, I owe that guy a phone call, right? Or I owe him $10. You're you're immediately reminded because you owe him, right? What would your life look like if you knew that you had a debt to love other people? Yeah? That you owed them love. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Like, why, why do I owe this person love? I don't owe that person anything. There's people in your life, you, you, have you ever said, I don't owe you an explanation. I don't owe you anything. I don't owe you. You haven't loved me. Right? You haven't loved me. Why would I owe you love? Right? But it's saying, no, we don't love others because they love us. We don't love others because it's going to be reciprocated. We love others because he first loved us. Right? We love others is because it's commanded for us to do it. Check this out. Jesus is saying this. If you love me, keep my commands. Hey, you love Jesus in here? Then there sh- it should look like something. That doesn't mean you have to earn Jesus' love. But man, when you love Jesus, it should have an effect on your life and how you treat other people. This is one of my favorite verses in all of scripture. A new command I give you to love one another. As I have loved you, you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. He tells us what to do, love one another. He tells tells us how to do it, like he loved us. And he tells us what, what we can expect is that people will know that we're followers of Jesus by the way we love one another. 
What if people uh, here, just here in Haleiwa, what if any time they saw us, they knew that we were a part of the church because of the way we loved and treated everybody? Not because we have a shirt that says North Shore Christian Fellowship, which I'm fine with branding, right? But what if they knew that we were followers of Jesus because they saw the way we loved each other? When they saw the way we responded to people, people we have a hard time with, people who we don't like, people who that others think are unlovable. Wouldn't it be amazing if any time someone saw us, they said, man, I could tell that person follows Jesus. I could tell that person follows Jesus because they love one another. Unfortunately, the, the church in general is known for judging one another. Having a quick temper. Being quick to anger instead of slow to anger. What would it look like if we loved one another? Um, the other thing about paying this debt is, is we owe the debt to Jesus, but Jesus isn't looking for us to pay him anything. Jesus didn't say, hey, I died for you and I, I wiped away your sin, so now you could do the same for me. What he tells us to do is to love one another. That's the debt that we owe. Which is interesting is this, is that the Bible actually teaches that when you love other people, you're loving Jesus. When you love other people, you're actually loving Jesus. There's a parable in the Gospels where Jesus says, on judgment day, um, everybody's going to be gathered into this great big room. And everybody's going to be separated from the sheeps, sheeps, and goats. Right? And he's going to look at uh, the, the sheep and say, hey, you know what? When I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. Yeah? When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was sick, you came and took care of me. You visited me when I was in prison. When I was naked, you gave me clothes. And the sheep are like, dude, when, when did we see you naked? <laughs> you know, when, when did we see you hungry, Lord? And he's like, every time you did that to the least of these, you did that to me. When you were loving on everybody else, you were actually loving on me. And then he tells the goats the opposite. He says, hey, you guys got to get away from here. Because when I was hungry, you didn't give me anything. When I was sick, you didn't care. You never visited me when I was in prison. And they're like, but Jesus, when? when did Dude, Jesus, if we saw you sick, surely we would have helped you. Surely, if you were in prison, Jesus, we would have come to visit you. And he says, every time you didn't do this to somebody, any time you didn't to love on them, you did that to me. That was me you were neglecting. That was me you were turning a blind eye to. That was me that you pretended you didn't see needed something. When we love other people, we love Jesus. Yeah? And that's the important part is, is the other thing is why we do it is love fulfills the law. All the rules and, and commands, the law and the prophets, it's all summarized, the Bible says, by loving one another. Loving God first and others as yourself. It's interesting because I, I was kind of wrestling with this because um, Jesus says in the, in the Sermon on the Mount that um, he says, don't think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them, right? But then we have Paul saying, 
that um, love fulfills the law. So which is it? Does Jesus fulfill the law or does love fulfill the law? Anybody? Both. Yeah? Jesus is love. Yeah? Jesus' love fulfills that. And why that's important is this, is that love fulfills the law, but the law never fulfills our love debt. What do I mean by that? Is that when you love your neighbor, when you love others, automatically, right? When you love somebody, you won't murder them. You might want to. Yeah? But if you love someone, you don't steal from them. You don't take advantage of them. Right? When you love somebody, you treat them kindly. And that's what the, the, the law says, man. It says, hey, when you, when, when you do this, when you love people, you will automatically start following the law. That's just how it works. But it doesn't work the other way around. You can follow the law all day long and not love anybody. You could follow all the rules and not murder somebody but not love them. Not steal from them but not love them. The law doesn't make you love anybody. But when you love people, you automatically follow the law. Amen? That's important. So this verses, these verses are saying, hey, we owe a debt. There's something that Jesus wants us to do, that God expects from us. It's to love one another. He commanded us to do it. And the one another is everybody. Right? Not just our neighbors. Um, people wanted to, to, to be um, tricky with Jesus, and they were like, but who's my neighbor, Jesus? Because it would be easy if you only had to love the person next door, especially if you lived on a farm far away from anybody, right? You only had, like, two people to love. But Jesus was saying, no. In fact, he used a, a story saying, man, the neighbor is the guy, an enemy. Someone who you would think is an enemy, that's your neighbor too. It's not just the people in your neighborhood, the people who you meet each day. Yeah? Do you know that song? Remember that? Nobody? Who are the people in your neighborhood? Someone who watched it. But it's not just that, right? It's everybody. And so he wants us to do that because it fulfills the law and the prophets. So I never like to just talk about what the word is telling us to do. I like to try to have some application, right? Um, James says it like this. Don't merely listen to the word and deceive yourselves. Do what it says. How many of us say, oh, yeah, I love my neighbor. I love everybody. Jesus wants me to love everybody. We say that really quick. But what does that look like? John says it like this, dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other, but let's show the truth by our actions. Let's not just talk about love. Let's be about love. Yeah, talk is cheap, right? It's nice. You should still say I love you to your spouse, right, and to your kids. You, they should still hear it. But, man, if, if they just hear it and they don't see it, there's a disconnect, right? You know, it's like my wife would be like, hey, Fulton, do you love me? And I'm just like, of course I love you. She'd be like, you really love me? Would you do anything for me? Chrissy, I would do anything for you. Right? Well, Fulton, would you die for me? Like, would you take a bullet for me? I, I'll th think about it for a minute, you know. Of course I would take a bullet for you. Right? She's like, you would really die for me? And I'm like, yes. And she's like, then how come you can't take out the trash for me? Right? 
And it's easy to make these big old, these big old things. Like, I would do anything for you, but, man, I'm not even going to do the bare minimum of what you've been asking me to do. And Jesus is saying the same thing, man. Yeah, you're going to lay down your life for your brother, but you're not even going to help him out. You're not even going to pray for him. Right? Love requires action. And I'm going to do something a, a little bit different here. Is, um, you guys all have a card um, on your seat and those little pencils. I had to go to a lot of mini golf places to get those. Here's the deal. I think sometimes as Christians, we are like, instead of just loving our neighbor, you know, like if I just really love my neighbor good, someone would say, hey, well, it's not just about loving your neighbor. you got to love other people. And we use this default as, oh, yeah, I, I love everybody. I love everybody. And when we say that, what we really mean is I'm not going to really love anybody. I'm not going to actually put the, 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 the rubber to the road for anybody. Because I, I love everybody. He's the same, you know. But that same is really weak, right? What does it look like to identify some people? So, like, instead of saying everybody's our neighbor, do you guys really even just love just your neighbor? Do you know who your neighbor is? The people that you live by? It doesn't even have to be you live. Who are the people that you, you run into every day, right? Who are the people, who are your neighbors at work? Who are the people you work with every day? Do they know that you love them? So here's what I want you to do. I'm going to ask the band to come up. And um, they're just going to play a little bit of music. But I just want you to spend just a couple minutes, a couple minutes asking God to show you three to four people. Three to four neighbors. Three to four people who you see on a regular basis who God's telling you, hey, man, let's start here. Let's love these people. Not the people that you necessarily want to. I, I, let God tell you who he wants, right? And here's a, here's a tip. If, um, when you're writing these names down, if it's um, the cute barista at um, Starbucks, that's probably not from God, yeah? That's probably, you wanted to love that neighbor specifically. Creeper. Right? But ask God, who is it? Who is it? So just spend a little bit of time writing four, three to four names down. Right? But don't just be talkers. Let's be doers. Actually ask God. If you're brave enough to say, God, who are the people that I need to be loving? Spend some time with them. Write those names down. I'm going to come back in two minutes. The Lord will move in two minutes. I'll be right back.
Here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at those names. The band could keep playing. I want you to look at those names, and I want you to spend a few minutes praying for them. The easiest, most, um, when I say easy, I don't, um, I mean the most accessible way to love somebody is to pray for them. You can do it anywhere. They don't even have to be near you. And you can pray for them. And I don't know about you, but some of my neighbors, I have a hard time with some of my neighbors. And when I start to pray for them, my heart softens towards them. So let this be the first step. Spend a few minutes praying for them. You know, I wrote some names down. Carlos, John and Giselle, Colette, Ken and Kendra, Brandon and Kat, Fred. I know my neighbors. In fact, I have a pretty good relationship with my late neighbors. Um, I, I eat with them and, and hang out with them sometimes. But do they know that I love them? Do they know that I love them like, like Jesus wants me to love them? I don't think so. Spend some time praying. We could change this community. We could change this world if we spent time doing what God tells us to do and loving one another. Pray for them. Spend just a few minutes. Then put that card in your Bible, in your pocket, as a reminder of loving your neighbor, that God calls us to love our neighbors. And that, man, if I remember anything from today, it's that God wants me to love my neighbor like he loved me. Spend some time with Jesus and don't leave here the same way you came in.